0: Coming up on the KetoCamp Podcast, we bring on Todd White.
1: Wine is the only major food group without a contents label. Now, that's not an accident. The reason it doesn't have a contents label or nutritional information on it, if you want to know how much sugar's in it, which is the first thing I look for in nutritional information is sugar. I think sugar is the most widely addictive and abused drug on the planet that has led to most of chronic illness. The problem is that the wine industry has spent millions of dollars in lobby money over the years to keep contents labeling off of wine because they don't want you to know what's in it because there's some pretty scary stuff that can go in there.
0: We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today's episode is super interesting. I really enjoyed this conversation with Todd White, who is the founder of Dry Farm Wines. And it's interesting because I don't drink alcohol, I haven't had a sip of alcohol in over six years. And we actually talk about that. We talk about the dangers of alcohol and how we would be much better off without alcohol. But if you choose to have alcohol, and let's face it, most people will choose to have alcohol, what if there was a better option for you? So we get into Dry Farm Wines, but even before we get into his company and the great things he's doing with his wine to give people a keto-friendly, sugar-free option, we get into the deep, dark history of alcohol, especially wine. I had no idea. How corrupt the wine industry is. Todd's going to share his backstory and how he even got into the world of starting a company that processes and and, and distributes natural wines and what exactly is a natural wine. But we're going to hear about the dangers of drinking conventional wine and alcohol from pesticides to additives and preservatives and excess sugar and why there's not even a label on wines and he's going to share how he's tested the top 20 wine companies out there. He's going to share different standards that natural wines need to meet in order to be called a natural wine. And then the dry farm wine standards, which needs to meet several different criterias. Todd was on day four of a day five water fast as well when we recorded this podcast, which is super cool. You're going to hear about a term called biodynamic grown and biodynamic wine. I wasn't really sure 100% what that meant, and he explained it very, very well. You're also going to hear about the dangers of what pesticides do, especially California wine, pesticides, herbicides, what that does to your uh, tight junctions and inflammation. He's going to share a little bit about biohacking and why he loves keto, why he loves fasting, and... I always say, I get asked the question all the time, and you're going to hear this on this conversation with Todd. I get asked all the time, Ben, I'm doing keto. I'm doing low carb. I changed my lifestyle for a healthier lifestyle, but I want to have that drink. I want to have that alcohol, you know, not every day, but once in a while. If you were going to drink, what would be your go-to? I always say the following, the worst alcohol to have is beer and wine. But when I say wine, I'm not talking about dry farm wines. I'm talking about conventional commercial wine. Dr. Zach Bush shared when I interviewed him a couple years ago, the average California wine has 64 pesticides and herbicides in it. You're also going to hear about all the other dangers of conventional wine. And then beer is just estrogenic. So I always say that. But if I was going to drink, I would have dry farm wines. And I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again. If I ever decide to drink again, it will be Dry Farm Wines because you're going to hear about why it's sugar-free, keto-friendly, low alcohol. So it prevents hangovers and the feeling you get after you drink that's not a good feeling, which is part of the reason why I quit drinking. So you're going to love the conversation. Whether you drink or not, you're going to learn about the alcohol wine industry and you're going to hear about Dry Farm Wines. Dry Farm Wines are always sponsoring the events that I speak at, My mentor, Dr. Pompa, always brings Todd in for his events, and Dry Farm Wines is a sponsor as well. If you want to get a shipment of Dry Farm Wines and give it a shot, they have a subscription service, and some things you could order one-off as well. It's also a great idea for a gift. Head to ketoCampWine.com, Camp spelled with a K, ketoCampWine.com to get your Dry Farm Wines. You'll notice a difference if you choose to drink alcohol. This would be my recommendation for you. Learn about it, and then we'll drop a link down below for you to get dry farm wines. Before I bring on Todd, and before we have this amazing conversation, which was super fascinating to me, I want to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This comes from Calf Woman titled, Thanks, Ben, Five Star Review. I love all of Ben's podcasts, they're all so informative and very easy to understand. He's always providing information before I even really know I need it. I have been very successful on the keto diet thanks to Ben. Cav Women, you are awesome. Congrats. I'm so glad you're enjoying the episodes and thank you so much for listening and for taking the time to leave that rating and review. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast a rating and review as of yet, please take 30 seconds to pause this episode and whatever platform you're listening from, Leave an honest rating and review. It really helps. And hey, maybe I'll read your review on the next episode. I announced recently that we are hosting a five-day keto virtual event. It is 100% free. How would you like to learn from me and the Keto Camp team all about keto, carnivore, fasting, keto flexing? This is a PhD and metabolic health within 5 days. We live stream every day for 2 hours, 5 days in a row where you get to learn, apply some of the principles, ask questions. It's going to be life-changing. This is our 5-day keto kickstart challenge and we have sponsors for this challenge that are giving away over $20,000 in free prizes. Some of the prizes that you could win are 6 months worth of coffee for free from Purity Coffee a bundle of Paleo Valley products, a bundle of Redmond's Real Salt Electrolyte products, a bundle of Pure Form plant-based omegas. We're giving away five Keto Mojo devices. We're giving away boxes of kinetic exogenous ketones. We're giving away Dr. Ben Bickman's Health Code Shakes. And we're giving away one-year free membership to our signature course, the Keto Camp Academy. All of that is valued at over $20,000. That is right. We're giving away over $20,000 in free giveaways. All you need to do to qualify for the giveaways and to learn from us for five days is to go over to ketocampchallenge.com or click the link in the podcast notes down below. Put your name, put your email, register for free, and join us when we start on October 2nd, which is Monday, October 2nd. And it's going to run. All the way through October 6th, so Monday to Friday. We go live every day, same time, same place. I would love to have you there. This is great for beginners. This is great for those who have been doing this for years and want the science. We're going to cover it all. Learn from me, Coach Becky, Coach John, Coach Alina from the Keto Camp team, and some other special guests. I'm so excited for this. So Join us over at ketocampchallenge.com. All right, let's have our minds blown as we learn about the history of wine the corruption, the propaganda, and a great option for you to have amazing wine that's the healthiest version of wine that I've ever found. My guest is Todd White. He's the founder of Dry Farm Wines. He's a writer, a speaker, a leader in the organic natural wine movement. Todd White has widely educated communities on conscious consumption. He's a self-described biohacker who practices daily meditation, Wim Hof breathing, cold thermogenesis a ketogenic lifestyle. We love that. And daily 22-hour intermittent fasting. He does a lot of OMAD, one meal a day. He's also a frequent speaker on topics including meditation and the Dry Farm Wines' unique company, Culture, which is interesting. Built on a foundation of honesty and peace, Dry Farm Wines has seen remarkable growth, making it one of the fastest growing private companies in the United States without any debt or investors. Farb Wines is endorsed by many leading U.S. performance influencers with pure natural wines that are lab tested, I love that, to ensure each bottle is sugar-free, lower in sulfites, and lower in alcohol, under 12.5% alcohol volume. The wines are friendly to low-carb, paleo, keto, and low-sugar diets. Here is Todd White, who's my neighbor here in Miami Beach. Todd White, welcome to the Keto Camp podcast.
1: Happy to be here and good to see you after all of this COVID nonsense, and we haven't been to many events, so I haven't seen you in a couple of years. It's great to see you.
0: Yeah, yeah I haven't seen you, and I was just telling you offline how our group loves you. And I, you know, when I say our group, I mean Dr. Pompa, Dr. Mindy Powell and the doctors that I work with. You're always at their events. It's always your wine, and it's like the go-to. And we're gonna we're gonna talk all about. Wine and alcohol. And uh, we're going to give the audience just a masterclass on how to choose the right wine and the right alcohol. We're also going to get into some uh, uh, things like fasting. You just mentioned you're on a four day, you're on day four of a five day water fast. So I want to hear about that. We'll talk about OMAD. But before we get there, I'm getting ahead of myself. How did you even get invo- involved with being the wine expert? I know that you stumbled upon it by accident. So let's go back and talk about your backstory.
1: Yeah, it was kind of an accident. So I would. So about seven years ago, I started experimenting. Long before keto came to the mainstream, but I was following the biohacking community, as were you and Dr. Dominic Diagostino, who I know is a friend of yours and a friend of mine, and also, you know, endorses our wines because of their lack of effect on ketosis. But Dominic was starting to publish work and really work he was doing for DARPA, for the Defense Department. And it was bleeding over into the biohacking circles. This is a few years before it started getting into Google searches. And at the time, I was really interested in, became interested in ketosis because I had experimented with it in the 1980s with the Atkins diet. And, you know, Bob Atkins was ridiculed deeply throughout most of the health world or medical world about his work in his book, but it turns out that he was correct. And he died a tragic death before it was really validated that what the work he had published had really helped millions of people. He knew anecdotally that it had, but, you know, the science hadn't come forward because most of the science we had up until that time in the 1980s was really on drug-resistant epilepsy treatment. But when Dominic started publishing his work, and there were others, but Dominic became the most kind of predominant be, because he's Dominic and he's charming and he's handsome and he'd done a bunch of podcasts and, you know, he'd started to leak his papers out into the biohacking community. So I, for about two years, uh, experimented with a therapeutic ketogenic diet. I mean, really hardcore you know, daily BHB testing via blood. I mean, competing with my friends on high, how high my ketone count You
0: remember yeah, those days. When it was like $8 a strip if you messed up on your finger. Uh, right, like right, that. right,
1: right, right. And so, and I started experimenting with it, but then, you know, really got serious when I started doing blood testing with Abbott, and which was recommended by Dominic if you were going to be serious. Before that, we were using urine sticks, which you know are unreliable after a period of time they're okay to start experimenting with keto, but if you really want to go hardcore, you're going to go blood. And I was therapeutically ketogenic for a couple of years, and the reason I continued to experiment with it was the cognitive benefits were so extraordinary. Just the same way I'm feeling right now on day four, I haven't checked my ketones because I know my body and I've been testing for years, and but I'm deep into ketosis right now to be sure. I can feel it on the top of my brain. And so, you know, I, I experimented with it both for achieving super lean body mass and also the cognitive benefits improvement in memory. And, but after a couple of years, in fairness, I guess for about five years now, I would be what I would consider to be a modified ketogenic diet or more like the Atkins diet. I'm not therapeutic anymore. I do get into therapeutic ketosis when I do extended water fast. But other than that, my BHP is probably like, you know, 0.8 to 1.2 millimolar most of the time. It's fair to note that even though I'm an extended water fast now, I also only eat once a day. And I've been eating only one meal a day for about five and a half years. And we can get into fasting and why I think it's so important and why I think it's the single most the single most advancement in my wellness of all the practices that I have. I mean, there there are many, many health and wellness practices that I do daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, many. But I think the most significant forward leap advancing at my age, and I'm 61, and so the most forward leaping advantage at my age was to adapt a very aggressive fasting regimen. But... When I was therapeutically ketogenic, for whatever reason, I began to have an adverse relationship with wine and alcohol in general. I I haven't drank spirits. I've only been a wine drinker for about 30 years now. I've been drinking wine since I was nine years old, and I've been a lifelong wine aficionado. So I started to have this adverse relationship with it about the same time now, there could have been many other cofactors, but about the same time that you know, that I was practicing this ketogenic diet or therapeutic keto. And so I stopped drinking for a while, and I really love that because I love wine, and we'll talk about wine and the terrible dangers of alcohol in a moment. But when I went back to drinking wine, I started diluting it with water and tea and other ways to reduce the alcohol. Now, it's a common side effect for many people who become ketogenic that their relationship with alcohol also changes. And I don't know if those were tied together, or if it was just a cofactor of my aging or I was under stress with a business at the time. Who knows? I mean, alcohol and your relationship with alcohol is impacted by a number of cofactors. Sugar is a big impact. Uh, stress is a big impact about how alcohol, how you interpret alcohol and how it interprets you. Right And so there are many cofactors of that diet among them, physical fitness. There, there are many you know there are many cofactors. And so it's hard, you know, it's hard to nail down one thing, but I wasn't feeling well, I wasn't enjoying drinking. And so I went to this friend of mine who I lived in the Napa Valley at the time, and I went to this friend who I thought knew the most about wine of anybody I knew. And I asked him because I thought it was purely alcohol. This is before I knew about all the other toxins in wine that we're going to talk about, because nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about the toxins in wine. Still, most people don't know about the toxins in wine. And so I went to this friend and I was like, listen, I'm having this struggle with alcohol wine and you know, it, the way it makes me feel and the way it impacts my brain, and, but I don't want to stop drinking. And he's like, I think I, I was like, how I was thinking about making some low alcohol wine at the time. So I said, how low can I make alcohol and wine still have it taste like wine? When you remove enough alcohol from wine, it doesn't taste like wine anymore. Alcohol adds density to wine, and we can talk more about that later. But he said, have you have you ever tried these low alcohol wines that are made in Europe? And I was like, like, they're kind of old school and they're just lower in alcohol. I was like, no. So that set me on the journey. And I wasn't thinking, Dry Farm Wines wasn't a business idea. I wasn't trying to create a business all at the time. I was unemployed. And so I started searching for low alcohol wines. And all the ones I was tasting, I couldn't drink them, pour them down the sink, right? They were just terrible tasting. And so, but I stumbled quite accidentally through a friend of a friend to an organic market in san francisco this is a little longer story than you'd hope for probably but I go into this organic market i buy some of these low alcohol wines and there's this one particular importer named paris wine company that i love their wines right their wines were like amazing and low alcohol well paris wine company was founded by this american who was living in paris and he by chance, used to live in San Francisco and work in this organic market that is very famous called Buy Right Market. Probably one of, I mean, there are two favorite organic food stores I have in the United States. One is in San Francisco called Buy Right and the other is in Los Angeles called Air One. Have you ever been to Air One?
0: No, I've heard great things
1: about both I mean, those it's just amazing. It's like walking into a painting. I mean, it's like unbelievable. And the same thing, Buy Right and Air One are very different, but they're like, World-class organic markets, uh, particularly by Right, which By Right sources most of their—they curate and source most everything from local Bay Area farmers, but curated along with super amazing international selections. Uh, it's just—it's just how it's curated is amazing. So, and it's not big as a minute. The whole thing's like tiny. So I went and I get these wines. I taste them. I like oh my gosh, this wine's great, slow alcohol, I feel better drinking it. I like The whole thing is like working out amazing for me. And so I call this American in Paris, and I'm like, what's up with these wines? Because they taste great, and they make me feel great. And he's like, oh, they're natural wines. I was like, what's a natural wine? Same thing, I, I tell people, what do you do? I say, I sell natural wine. they're like, isn't all wine natural? I'm like, no, it's not, the reasons we're going to discuss. So from there, I was like, because I lived in Napa Valley and I had made wine about 10 years before as a hobby, I knew a little bit about analogy. And so I I decided I'm going to start lab testing these wines because I was ketogenic and I want to make sure they were sugar-free. And I wanted to lab test for a number of things, but the primary thing I was looking for was alcohol and sugar. And because we'll get into this in a moment when we talk about the conspiracy between the wine industry and the government, the alcohol stated on a wine bottle, by law, is not required to be accurate. Now, let me stop there for a moment on alcohol, because that's kind of that pathway accidentally led me into founding Dry Farm Wines. When I started sharing these wines with my friends, and they're like, well, where do we get these wines? And I'm like, you can't, because... You know, I've gone through this process to select them. And so then it kind of became a business. And I figured I was looking for a job at the time. I figured that or looking for a gig. I'm not employable. I've been self-employed since I was 17. So I'm not employable, but I was between gigs. And I was looking for a new gig, and I was like, you know, I think there's probably a few million other people who care about this too because I care about it. And I'm sure the other people who care about it. And so that started the journey, which took off pretty quick and, as you know, became very popular. But speaking of alcohol, because I know you don't drink.
0: Correct. Yeah, for the audience, you know, uh, some might not know, but I, I don't drink Personally, I haven't had any alcohol in over six years. My fiance drinks. She she drinks dry farm wines. Dry farm wines is like my go-to recommendation. You'll understand why as you get through this episode. But yeah, I don't drink. Let's continue on the, do- the discussion on alcohol.
1: So it surprises most people. And I write and speak about this often. It surprises most people to hear me say the following. Because they think I'm here to sell wine, which I'm not. I not think if you drink wine, you should drink low alcohol, sugar-free natural wines. I don't care whether you get them from me or not. I'm here to educate people that if you are going to drink, here's how I would think about drinking as a drinking professional who also cares about biohacking, health, fasting, cold thermogenesis, keto. If you care about the things I care about, I've done a lot of research on this and I can help you. Whether you buy it from me or not, that's up to you. But what really surprises people to hear me say is that alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin that ruins millions of lives a year. And many people shouldn't drink at all. And if you don't drink today, I'm not recommending that you begin. Further, my life might be improved if I didn't drink at all. It's very possible. Because I drink a lot of wine and I like wine. You know, I think it's quite possible that I could take another step up. Now, you, as you can see from my face, I don't suffer from a lot of inflammation. I mean, you look,
0: you look healthy to me. You're 60, you said 61. You don't look 61. Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: That's uh, all this keto and biohacking. It works. So, I've also been doing it for a really, really long time. Although, as you know, keto research shows that anytime you start, no matter what your age, you're going to benefit from it. And there's great data out there on research to show that. But here's the thing. I'm not going to stop drinking wine because I like it. And most other people who like it and drink regularly, I, when, except when I'm on an extended water fast, I'll drink a bottle or more per night. I don't drink during the daytime. And when I say a bottle or more, that's over the course of the evening. Right? It's not like I'm sitting down and hammering a bottle down. It's like with a meal or a meal with other people or, you know, in a communal setting. And it's and it's your
0: wine, which we're gonna I
1: only drink exclusively. Correct. And wines. and you you if I drank a bottle of conventional wine, Different story I, I would become sick. And it would be impossible. Same thing that was happening to me before for a whole bunch of reasons we're about to discuss. So even though I believe it's possible that my health journey could be enhanced if I stop drinking altogether, I think that's a, I think it's a fair possibility. But the reason I mention inflammation is that excess drinking can cause inflammation, which clearly I don't suffer from. Now, even though I drink a bottle of wine a day, sometimes more, sometimes a little less, usually a little more, is that I only drink a very specific type of wine, right? Natural wine, low alcohol, sugar-free, lab tested by us. And I drink wines typically between 10 and 11% alcohol. And conventional wines are generally 145 half or 15% alcohol. That doesn't sound like a big difference, but it's a huge difference in how you feel and your brain health, your inflammation, And then all the other things and toxins that are in wine that cause also inflammation, cause you to feel bad. Histamine reactions, uh, tyramine reactions. We'll we'll get into this further. But So it's important to understand how we got here and how wine, which was thought to be the healthy drink, how wine became unhealthy. And it really comes down to two things. It's about money and greed. And so what happened about 30 or 40 years ago is that using public money from Wall Street, some smart business guys consolidate and roll up the wine business. And there's a couple of reasons for why that happened. Primarily, this is all very confusing and complicated, but the way wine gets into a retail store is also a conspiracy with the government. So, The way alcohol gets into your state, depending upon what state you live in, but most states, in some states, the actual state itself controls which wine come in. In the rest of the states, they come in through what's called the three-tier system, which is a distributor who's appointed by the state and has typically been a multi-generational distributor. Families are very wealthy, have a lot of political power. Those distributors exclusively decide which wines come into that state. This is called the three-tier system. It's been in place since the 1940s. And the reason it was put in place was to prohibit organized crime from controlling the alcohol industry. But today that's no longer a risk. It was at that time. And the three-tier and what they call Tide House rules, these are all federal laws that are decades outdated, But at the end of the day, they control exactly which wines come to your store because that's the only way you can legally get wine into retail. Now, the problem with that and how the consolidation I mentioned happened is you have these giant wine companies. Now, they don't want you to know about them, but they're giant wine companies. In fact, the top three make over 52% of wines in the United States. The top 30 make over 70% of wines in the United States. Now, why is that important? Because these multi-billion dollar marketing conglomerates, they're not trying to make wine healthier or better, they're trying to make it cheaper and faster. Now, how does that relate to the three-tier system I just told you about, about the distributors deciding which wine gets into your store Well, it works like this? The distributors, they do business with these giant wine companies. Right, because it's easier and more profitable for them because they're dealing with these huge companies. The guy who makes natural wine in France, he has no chance of getting on the shelf, right? Because he doesn't make enough volume. Nobody knows who his brand is, right? Because wine is sold three ways: rating, label, animals on the label, cute farmhouses, and pedigree, which is advertising dollars. Right. So I know the brand. That's how Americans buy wine. Well, if it's some obscure natural winemaker who, A, makes very little volume because you can't make wine and natural wine in high volume. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And why? Sorry to
0: take you down this wormhole, but. No, don't. No, please. It's so interesting. It's the first time we covered it. So please go. go I'm just trying to tell you why you can't buy
1: healthy, better wine at the store.
0: It's important and this is all this is a lot of new information to me so I'm learning as well so please keep going.
1: Yeah so this whole system like much of american food distribution is all controlled by a handful of people. Right? Then who then sell to a handful of people? The grocers. Right? And so consolidation matters because buying power and profit and margins matter because that's all that matters. And so these multi-billion dollar, huge marketing wine conglomerates and manufacturers who make wine in factories in Central California. That's most of the wine that you see when you go into your store. So you can see hundreds or even thousands of brands and labels, but those are all made by the same people. Not all of them, but the propensity of it is made by the same people. So that gets us to the next problem about how they wanna make it cheaper and faster, not healthier and better. So two things follow that. First of all, industrial farming practices and the use of industrial chemicals like glyphosate. The second thing on the farming is the widespread use of irrigation, which also has a whole bunch of problems associated with it. You know the name of our company is Dry Farm Wines, which means we do not allow for grapevines to be irrigated. And if we have time, we'll get into why, but since we have so many higher level points to cover, if we get time to get back to irrigation, we'll get to that. But irrigation irrigation's riddled with problems, aside from the fact that it wastes a lot of water, right? I mean, we're in a drought internationally, and even just the farms that we work with, the small family farms, about 800 of them that we work with to source these rare, pure natural wines, We save over a billion gallons of water a year by 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 not irrigating, and so irrigation is unnecessary. We're not going to go down the irrigation wormhole, but irrigation is not necessary to grow a grapevine anywhere on this planet. And irrigation didn't come to the United States for grape farming until the early 1970s. Is it because it grows faster with irrigation, and they, they could pump more out? Is that why? It's cheaper. It's easier to farm, way easier. It grows a bigger cluster, which results in a higher yield. And it might not surprise you when you fill a grape berry with water by over-irrigating it. It weighs more. And see, fruit is sold by the ton. More it weighs, more it's worth. So not only is it easier and cheaper, but it's worth more. And then the third problem, in addition to farming and irrigation, the third and perhaps most poignant problem is that there are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Now, why don't you know about those additives unless you've heard me talk about them? And they've been occasionally in recent years mentioned in the mainstream press, but not too much, you see, because... In the food and wine magazines where you might expect to see coverage on natural wine or guess who some of their biggest advertisers are, right? They're conventional wine companies. So they don't want a lot of coverage on this, although it has been mentioned a few times in food and wine magazines. It's been mentioned in the New York Times. In fact, Eric Asimov, who's the wine critic for the New York Times, just this past weekend did an article on natural wines
0: Hmm, that must have pissed off a lot of those uh, big
1: companies well he didn't go hard on the additives i mean nobody wants to because all of these people are big advertisers so nobody's going the only person going hard on all this is me and um i can assure you it makes it makes me no fan of the wine industry which i've been attacked by them of course
0: how so i mean when you say that like uh lawsuits or
1: press articles
0: No, I'm not telling, I'm not saying
1: anything that's untrue. Yeah, yeah. So they don't have any liable claim against me. What I'm saying is the truth. But there have been some negative press articles, not many, just a couple in the wine industry, you know, where you know I've agreed to be interviewed and then it turns out to be a hit piece,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But that's all right. No no big deal. All press is good press for me. You know, the wine industry can, you know, I don't give a shit about them.
0: Hey, Keto Camper, I wanna just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink for metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called good idea, and it is a great idea if you're trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients, and it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate. Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. So all you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B-E-N at checkout at goodidea.us. I'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code. All right, let's get back to this episode. So you have the pesticides and herbicides, issue number one, irrigation, issue number two. 76 hours. 76, 76 And I remember when I interviewed Dr. Zach Bush a couple of years ago, um, and you could maybe correct or confirm. He said the average California wine has about 64 herbicides and pesticides in it. It's true. I
1: don't know the exact number. We don't sell domestic wine because no, there are no domestic wines that meet our standards of purity. So we don't sell domestic wine. And I'm not an expert on California wine.
0: So that's what Dr. Bush, Bush said. And, you know, I, I find him to be credible, which is, it's an alarming statement, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll go
1: along with him. He knows a lot about <laughs> glyphosate as well, which, you know, glyphosate is, Roundup is the number one applied herbicide in domestic
0: vineyards. Yeah, you want to create leaky gut, you know, drink wine with Roundup. That'll, <laughs> nice. that'll do it fast.
1: Well, here's the problem with it all is a lack of transparency. So the reason you don't know about these 76 additives, and in fairness, three-quarters of them are natural. So, but I don't want to mislead anybody or throw the baby under the bus. However, about a quarter of them are problematic.
0: And they're not disclosed on the label.
1: There is no label. This is the problem. Wine is the only major food group without a contents label. Now, that's not an accident, the reason it doesn't have a contents label or nutritional information on it, if you want to know how much sugar's in it, which is the first thing I look for in nutritional information is sugar. I think sugar is the most widely addictive and abused drug on the planet that has led to most of chronic illness. And so I don't want to drink sugar or eat it. Now, do I occasionally consume sugar? Sure. But daily, day in and day out, I make a conscious effort not to consume it. And I certainly never drink it. And so if I do consume sugar, since I just berated the shit out of it, if I do eat sugar, it's through something really delicious and extraordinary, right? Like a French crepe or, you know, something that's really extraordinary. I never drink it. And I don't consume it in commercial ways and on the rare occasion 10 times a year when I do interact with it is through something really extraordinary from a taste perspective, because I'm a taste guy, I'm a taste master. So the problem is that the wine industry has spent millions of dollars in lobby money over the years to keep contents labeling off of wine because they don't want you to know what's in it there's some pretty scary stuff that can go in there like dimethyl dicarbonate which is the most toxic of all the offenders
0: what does that do what does that do to the body
1: well if you go to wikipedia and you search dimethyl dicarbonate you look at the table on the right it'll just say hazard colon toxic now here's the problem if you decide to drink dimethyl dicarbonate or sugar for that matter, that should be your choice. I'm not here to rule your body, but if you choose to know what you put in your body, you don't have that choice where wine is concerned. And so I'm not here to say that my way is the right way for everyone. I do think my way is the right way if you're interested in conscious alcohol consumption and you're interested in what you put in your body.
0: That's that's pretty much most of the people who are watching and listening, right? And I think what you're doing really well is, number one, bringing awareness to this whole situation, and then they can make that decision. If you want to be aligned with your healthy lifestyle patterns, then maybe it's not a good idea to continue drinking those store-bought wines or even at restaurants, the wines you find there, too.
1: Yeah, so back to alcohol for a second. As you know, in the biohacking community and the forward health-looking community and in the keto community... Many health leaders recommend tequila as the alcohol of choice if you're going to drink. And I understand that. And I don't dispute the reason that they recommend it. It's a distilled spirit. It's definitely pure and clean and it comes from a plant. I can get on board with all of that. The problem with tequila is it's 45% alcohol. And so the Alcohol, among, among its many faults, as you, we've discussed, I'm not a pro. I'm not pro alcohol. I'm pro drinking smart wine, uh, but alcohol is not my friend or anybody else's. It has limited benefits in the right dosage in the right way. But alcohol is a domino drug, and what I mean by that is that the more you drink of it at the higher level of concentration, the more you are to drink more. So the more you drink, more likely you are to drink more. And so therefore I don't drink spirits or anything at that alcohol level because it's not good for my brain health. I don't care what it's made out of. What I do drink is pure natural wine that, and let's talk about what makes a natural wine natural because it's, super confusing term
0: yeah and then what exactly like, does dry farming mean like how do you do it without the irrigation so explain the process
1: well irrigation's another thing we'll get back to but let me tell you the three the three cornerstones of irrigation we could do a half hour on i mean it's okay. <laughs> it's a disaster for the plant for the planet it produces fruit, fruit. that actually has lower polyphenols and mycotoxins as well i imagine Bold. Well, no. You know, we test for mycotoxins, but the fact of the matter is you know, while we could, you know, there's certain people like in coffee who make a big deal out of mycotoxins, the fact of the matter is if you do lab testing across coffees and wine, you'll find the incidence of mycotoxins is so low it's not even mentionable. It's more of a marketing interesting but pesticides
0: and herbicides, different story with coffee. Very different story. Yeah.
1: Mycotoxin is very different. And so uh, like ochratoxin A. And, you know, we can talk about it and it makes some scary shit, right? But it's a my experience in lab testing and we do lab testing for it. My experience is it's... I've never seen it, right? I mean, it's, it's just like it's... And I hear the same thing in coffee, although some people have made their business out of mold and coffee right although i'm told i'm not a coffee expert but i'm told that that too is not usually prevalent or it's just like interesting so yeah but i'm not a coffee expert but for
0: those who missed it that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy organic coffee because you still what what, you still need to worry about the pesticides and you
1: can get mycotoxins in organic coffee i mean you can get different from herbicide. Well, what,
0: what I mean is a coffee bean that's testing for herbicides and pesticides. Agreed. So. Agreed. You definitely want to be
1: drinking organic coffee. I'm just, and again, I'm not a coffee expert. I can tell you in wines that ochratoxin A, which is the primary mycotoxin that you would be looking for, is almost never present. I could sell it to you as a scary threat of you should drink our <laughs> wines because they're mycotoxin I mean, it, free. It's, it-
0: it sounds great it's a great marketing term right but like we do test for them i can tell you that so i i've even you know used that you know mold free coffee right but sure. this is a uh, well, mold free wine
1: we sell mold free wine too <laughs> yeah
0: it, you really do so talk about you know the, the processing of these natural wines so let's there are three hallmarks of natural wine and it's
1: also fair to note while Dry Farm Wines has a very stringent certification process for all of our wines, we personally have a certification process, the Dry Farm Wine certification. Natural wine, there's no certification in the world for natural wine. Now, Dry Farm Wine certification goes over and above just being natural. We'll come back to that in a moment. But there's no country in, in the world yet that certifies a natural wine. France in 2023 is going to certify natural wines. That being said, France has also said that they're going to introduce contents labeling on wine, which we're a huge proponent of. I don't think it'll ever happen in the United States because political power is too strong. So number one, natural wines, but even though it's not a certification, let me just stop there. there is an international understanding from everybody in the wine business what natural wine means. And there are these three components. Number one, natural wine is always organic or biodynamically grown. Always. Let me stop there for a second because this is another confusing thing. Not all organic wines are natural, but all natural wines are always organic. So if you go into your store and you see an organic wine, that doesn't mean it's natural because of the next two components. It does mean it's organic, and I think you should drink organic wine. It's better than drinking non-organic wine. But it doesn't mean it's natural. And what does biodynamically
0: grown mean?
1: Biodynamic farming was developed in 1925 by an Austrian scientist named Rudolf Steiner. Rudolf's long gone by now, but he developed biodynamic farming and biodynamic farming is a prescriptive advanced form of organic farming. When I say prescriptive, we don't need to get into too deep into that because we have another 20 minutes on that. But the prescriptions of biodynamic farming are the two main tenets: are farming by lunar cycle, like they harvest by moon cycle, they prune by moon by lunar cycles, and then the second tenet is that they create these organic, natural potions. Uh, they mix up like one of them is is fine quartz powder with water, and they spray it on the vines. And each of these prescriptions, these compounds, they believe have different prescriptive effects, they're all natural, made from 100% organic natural materials, they believe that they have, in part, a benefit to the vine. Now, do biodynamic wines taste better? Usually. I don't know if it's because of the biodynamic farming, or it could be that anybody who is this obsessive and consumed with their farming practices are obsessive and consumed with everything, right? And so they just make a better product. Are there organic, not biodynamic wines that taste as good or better? Sure. I'm just saying when you taste biodynamic far- wines, they just seem to all taste great. But I think, I don't know if there's any truth to biodynamic farming practices, nobody knows. Nobody can claim to know that, but my feeling has always been: anybody who puts that much excessive quality into something they're crafting is so neurotic about everything that you know they just probably make a better product.
0: Yeah, that's a good assumption. Okay, that's so that's the first rule. It's uh, for natural wine, organic or biodynamically grown. What are the other two?
1: Number two, and this one is also a little bit confusing, but it's the most. It's the second most important. And that is natural wines are always fermented with wild indigenous native yeast. That's a mouthful. Let me get back to that in a moment. Commercial wines are always fermented with GMO lab-cultured yeast. Always. And I'll tell you why. You can't make commercial wines using wild native yeast because the yeast is too unstable and you can't make the wine in very large volumes, which is why natural winemakers, natural wine growers, don't have any brand names. They can't make enough wine to create a brand. You can't make wine in large volumes using these native wild yeast. Now, let's talk about those yeast. Well, how do they get there? They're collected in the air. They stick to the skin of the grape. They're blowing around the vineyard. And these yeast stick to the skin of the grape. When you harvest a grape berry anywhere in the world, it's got a white waxy film on the outside of it. You can scrape it with your fingernail. That's actually yeast. And that wild yeast is gathered on the fruit in the vineyard indigenous to where the fruit was grown. When it goes to conventional winemaking, they use sulfur dioxide to kill the native yeast before inoculating it with conventional lab-grown yeast.
0: So you're saying every commercial wine has GMOs in it? I'm saying it it has
1: modified GMO yeast in it. I don't know if it has GMO in it or not, I'm saying is they're using a modified yeast and they modify the yeast to be stronger, sturdier, and to withstand the higher alcohol level in the winemaking process. Alcohol levels have been rising in conventional wines for a few decades and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, it's a winemaking style. Alcohol adds density and heat to wine. Number two, alcohol, because of its dense and heat, heated nature, hides flaws in wine. And number three, the wine industry loves high alcohol because alcohol, I hate to report to you, drinkers like me, is addictive and is dangerous and it's toxic. So that's not going to stop me from drinking wine, by the way, because I love drinking wine. It's going to help me to choose the type of wine I drink. And so... Number three is that they're additive-free. So there's no chance there's any dimethyl-dicarbonate in a natural wine. And so that's they're also because they don't... The other redeeming factor, both from a wellness point of view as well as a taste point of view, one of the reasons they taste better, in addition to not having any sugar in them, not having high alcohol... But they've not been sterilized with sulfur dioxide. So, conventional wines, commercial wines, get a high dose of sulfur dioxide at the time of bottling. This not only acts as a preservative, but it also sterilizes the wine. And what I mean by sterilization is that it kills every living bacteria in the wine. So, wines naturally have bacteria and they're full of bacteria.
0: So, it's like pasteurization of milk. Same deal.
1: So, Dr. David Perlmutter, who's a New York Times bestselling author on the micro gut biome, has written several times about natural wines and dry foam wines because we have our certification has attributes above just being natural. But he's written about the the living bacteria that still remain in natural wines because they haven't been sterilized. And there are three cited bacteria that exist in natural wines that are supportive and friendly to the to the micro gut biome. And you can research that. He's written about it several times.
0: Yeah, I've had him on the show before too. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. So these are the three attributes of a natural
1: wine. Organic biodynamic farming, native yeast fermentation, and additive free. The result of that, while they're quite rare and difficult to find, we're the largest natural wine merchant in the world and the largest importer of natural wines in the world. The reason they're hard to find is because they can't get into the retail system. Now, in fairness, in a few markets, they do. They're still hard to find, but in a few markets, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago a little bit, Dallas a tiny bit, I mean tiny bit, Miami, tiny, tiny bit. I, I That's where in...
0: I am, Miami, yeah. Yeah. Are you in Miami? Yeah, Miami Beach.
1: Oh, I live on Miami Beach. I just moved there this winter. I didn't know that.
0: Oh, cool. We could talk offline and get some dinner.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. nice. I didn't know. Oh, I could share some favorite restaurants there. Yeah. I'm like super into, yeah, I live at uh, 33rd and Collins.
0: Yeah, I'm in Bay Harbor Island, so 99th, from like 10 minutes from here. Oh, yeah. nice. Nice. So anyway, I moved there last year. Awesome, I did not know that. <laughs> and
1: taxes, you know
0: that's right, yeah, freedom of California, yeah, but you're not you're not alone you're the you're the reason why our, my rent has gone up Thanks, I, exactly <laughs> exactly.
1: it's true. it's true. It's crazy what's happened there. Crazy, absolutely crazy. so I you know, even in a place like Miami, which is an urban and very sophisticated place, I'm telling you there is very little natural wine there I, I mean a microscopic amount. Right. And uh, at the beach, there's one restaurant that sells n- natural wine. Um, Which is that? Do you know? It's called 27. Okay. Is that the, have you ever been? No, no. I know of it, though. It's at the Free Hotel. Hotel. Uh, their whole wine is less natural. It's also a super funky kind of place where you would expect to find natural
0: wow. wine. Wow. There, there's a restaurant in Austin uh, called the Commodore that I think also has natural wine. We were just there with the Pampas. It's out there, it's just super rare. Right, it's very rare. I mean, super rare. And there's a
1: finite amount, it's less than one-tenth of one percent of the worldwide wine production. I mean, it's like, it, there's there's so little of it out there in the first place. So, you know, so I think about, if you do drink, you should drink natural wine. And it, and now Dry Front Wines has a certification that goes beyond natural wine. So in our case, it has to be low alcohol, meaning 12 and percent, by volume or less, and we sell wines from 7 to 12.5%, it has to
0: be sugar-free. Meaning it's keto-friendly for those who are excited about that. Keto wine for you. Healthy keto wine.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And diabetic-friendly too, I mean, for the same reason. And we also test for sulfites. And so the, the only way to know if wine has sugar in it is to lab test it. You can't always taste it. And in fairness, again, I don't want to claim to be the only sugar-free wine in the world because that's just not true. The problem is, again, there's no transparency. So you can have a conventional wine that's fully fermented and consequently sugar-free, right? And it's not natural. It's very conventional, but it may be sugar-free. The problem is with the lack of transparency. So people say, oh, you know, lots of red wines are sugar-free. It's like, well many are, yes, but the problem is you don't know which ones are which, which ones and which ones are not. And i also tell you that sugar is more prevalent in best-selling wines. So last year we lab tested the top 20 best-selling wines in America and only two of them, just 10% of them met our criteria for sugar-free.
0: For, for that one criteria, but if you were doing the certification on them, they wouldn't meet any of those criteria, or would they?
1: They wouldn't meet any of our criteria. None of them would meet, none of the top 20 selling wines in the
0: United States would meet our criteria
1: by a long shot, not a single criteria. They wouldn't be dry farmed. They wouldn't be low alcohol. They wouldn't be sugar-free. And they certainly wouldn't be additive-free, right? They wouldn't
0: meet any of our criteria. So that's the last one. Additive-free is what you test for.
1: Right. So I just think, if people are going to drink or they should drink natural wine, if they're gonna drink natural wine, they should try to find lower alcohol in natural wine because we've already talked about the toxicity of alcohol and it's certainly understandable why you don't drink. And my life might be better off if I didn't drink, but that's
0: not gonna happen. Cause I like drinking. Right? It, you're right. You're being realistic and the fact is people are gonna drink. And as much as I want people not to drink and and we see the benefit of people not drinking, if you're going to drink, making a smart, conscious choice that has been going through extensive testing, it's keto-friendly, important for my audience, it's the right choice. I've noticed a lot of people have issues with caffeine, especially caffeine in coffee. Now, don't get me wrong. I love myself a cup of quality coffee, but the truth is I've seen so many of my Keto Camp Academy students have a glucose spike from caffeine, knocking them out of fasting or creating some digestive issues, bloating, and most commonly, jitters and irritability. We know excessive caffeine and caffeine sensitivity can cause adrenal problems, which has a lot of negative effects it makes you more dependent on the caffeine, and it puts you in this sympathetic fight-or-flight state. And for a lot of people, that is problematic. Everyday Dose solves the problem of regular coffee while drastically building on its benefits with added supplements. What I love about Everyday Dose, it's low acidity, cold-extracted coffee, and a microdose of caffeine blended with collagen protein, functional mushrooms, and nootropics which will improve your focus, your energy, and your immunity. I just feel different in a really good way when I have Everyday Dose versus regular coffee, and I want you to experience the same. So if you want to check out Everyday Dose, head over to everydaydose.com slash Ben and use the coupon code KETOCAMP. You're going to get an extra five-on-the-go dose travel pack to take with you anywhere you go. I take these travel packs with me, and it is a game changer because when I'm traveling, it's hard to find... First of all, a clean cup of coffee, but almost impossible to find coffee with these functional ingredients. So head over to everydaydose.com/ketoCamp. Use ketoCamp to get your bonus gift, or click the link in the podcast notes down below. I was telling you offline. I always get asked the question, "Can I have alcohol on keto?" And I say, "Maybe." Um, I personally don't drink, but if I were going to drink, it would be dry farm wine. So go check them out. And I'm always like, "Go check out dry farm wine." So this conversation was really overdue, and um, we have an affiliate set up for the keto campers listening and watching to get Dry Farm Wines, and you have a subscription model. Uh, share a little bit more about when they go to the website. The website, by the way, is ketocampwine.com. It goes to my affiliate page with you guys, but share a little bit more about what they're going to see on there and how it works and how they could get your wine.
1: Generally speaking, although not exclusively, you you can buy one-off wines from us, but generally speaking, we're a club membership. Uh, The wines are very affordable considering it's a handcrafted wine product from Europe. We don't sell any domestic wines. Most of our wines are grown across Europe, small family farms. We have five growers in South Africa and a half dozen in South America. The rest are all scattered across Europe. Our wines including shipping, which is a big deal because wine weighs a lot are about 26 or $7 a bottle all in, which is a great value for a natural organic handcrafted wine. So just because these wines are rare and vaulted, they're not that expensive as handcrafted products go. I realized that that can be a lot of money to some people and maybe they want to use it more occasionally or more on special occasions. But as this type of product goes, it's, it's a solid value. So anyway, we sell wine typically by membership. Membership is free and you can cancel it anytime you want, but it typically it's six or 12 bottles on any frequency of delivery that you want monthly, weekly, bi-monthly, quarterly, Daily you're, if you're taught. Yeah, yeah, daily if you're made. Fortunately, I have an endless supply of rare, pure, natural wines. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Uh, and so, and for many of our customers, for regular wine drinkers who we're really situated for, for regular wine drinkers, their fear is not that they have too much wine. Their fear is that they'll run out.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> and so our membership model Works ideally for them, and so and we have people that get a case a week, right? So it just depends on, and then we have people who get six bottles once a quarter, right? So it the propensity of our customers take a monthly or bi monthly delivery.
0: It's a great idea, and and, you know I also love the idea if if um, as a gift if you know somebody who is drinking toxic wine or alcohol that is just not going to help them and you want them to find a healthier option, you could gift them a membership and you know ship it out to them. It's a great gift and also great for yourself. Uh, and the hangovers, right? It's, it's going to be very uncommon to get those hangovers and the headaches and all the things that are associated with drinking other wines and other alcohol when you have something like this. So if you haven't tried it before, go to ketocampwine.com Camp is bell with the K and go check out how it works you see also some great endorsements on there including Dr David Perlmutter and other uh, individuals who have uh, endorsed this and my mentor Dr Pompa is that's all he drinks and all his family drinks and you're always at his events and you're sponsoring his stuff I assure you he drinks about like me no he drinks every day he drinks wine every day and probably and, him, yeah. and his, him and him and merrily yeah, yeah for Him sure. and Mary are they're like winos for sure. They love they love your stuff. Um, so Todd, I want to thank you. Uh, we'll do a round two. I think we should do a round two around the holidays too, because that'll be a great time to uh, inspire people yeah. to get it.
1: Yeah, I, we, we should also do um, since I've been on to talk about this. We do round two. We should really dive down into some other anti aging longevity hacks, fasting practical application to keto, eating keto in restaurants.
0: Yeah, I'm down for all that. And we could do it in person here at my studio because you're just... Oh, yeah, because I'll be in Miami this morning. Yeah, you're just... I'm in
1: California at the moment. I'm out here working, but... Oh,
0: you are. Okay, yeah. So I
1: move... Yeah, I live in Miami usually between mid to late October and May. Smart. And then uh, then the rest of the time I'm traveling and, and working in California where I have some offices.
0: That's a smart idea that's when the weather is the nicest. So <laughs> I like yes, that.
1: It's great weather. And oh, dude, I, we have so much to talk. I'd love to do a session on um, longevity and biohacking modalities that are natural and easy to do and free usually. You know, the great thing about fasting is example, not only is it free, it saves you money.
0: Oh, it does. I, I, I did math on that and what it does. If you spend 15 bucks on breakfast every day on the weekday after a year, you save $3,900 right? and you get back time as well. So you're right. If you're watching this on YouTube and you want to see round two with me and Todd to talk about longevity and biohacking tips, comment down below. If you're listening on the podcast and you want to hear us do a round two, leave a rating and review and say, hey, yeah, Todd, I love the episode. Do a round two with Ben. We want to hear about you all. So uh KetoCampwine.com, where else can they find you social media wise, Todd? Where do you want them to go? At, we're dry farm wines on all social. Super,
1: super simple. Dry farm wines with an S all over social.
0: We'll put it all all down below for you. Um, Todd, thank you and your company and everybody on your team who's getting this uh, uh, getting the word out on this monopoly of the wine industry, but also giving people a healthy alternative that's keto friendly. So thank you, I enjoyed this conversation. I can't wait for round two. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Todd. I mean, how fascinating was that? That was a lot of information I had no idea about. It was news to me. If you're inspired to give Dry Farm Wines a shot if you're gonna drink, I highly recommend it's dry farm wines and not the toxic stuff out there. Head to KetoCampwine.com, learn about them, order your wine, give it a shot, gift it to somebody. What a great gift for somebody who drinks alcohol. KetoCampwine.com, camp spell with a K. We're gonna also drop all the links for Todd White's social media down below as well. Share this with somebody you know who's a wino, somebody you know who drinks, somebody you know who could benefit from this conversation it'll make a big difference for them and we would appreciate it. Simply copy and paste the link, put it in a text message or post it on social media and tag somebody. If this episode was beneficial to you, please consider leaving it a rating and review on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you're listening from. If you want to watch the video version of this interview and all of the Keto Camp podcast interviews, that could be found over on our YouTube channel, which is Keto Camp on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Keto Camp will drop a link down below. Follow me on TikTok at TheBenazadi. Follow me on Instagram at TheBenazadi. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with Todd, White, and myself. I love you. I appreciate you. I've got a ton of vitamin G gratitude for you. And I'll see you in the next episode.